0: Hey everyone, welcome to episode number 88 of the Lift Free and Diet Heart Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Coates. Uh, always great to be back each week. I appreciate everybody who keeps tuning into these. Um, and I've got a good friend of mine. Uh, he was appeared, I guess, in a group episode back in the old format when Guido was my co-host. But uh, my friend, Jeb Stuart Johnston, he's a speaker, writer, uh, he's an online coach. Jeb's really big on, he specializes in a lot of behavioral change stuff. And I want to dive into a little bit of that today, but it's great to have you back. Thanks, bud. Good to see you. Good to see you, too. Um, we're, we'll come back around later, but you and I are both speaking at the Inland Empire Fitness Conference. That's coming up. That's the weekend. I we think it's August 12th and 13th. I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure are the dates. So I want to circle back to that, but uh, I just want to make sure we put that on everybody's radar. Because our friend Tim sure. was a killer event there. It's always very vip so but the big stuff you're big on messaging uh, communication around behavior change and I know that you don't always necessarily for lack of a better way of saying it, approve of the way that the industry communicates and messages this stuff. So I wanted to say
1: how would you upgrade these skills for most coaches? You know it's 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 kind of it's it's not like there's not a lot to it. First of all it's it's like there's it's, it's not that people are poor at messaging or actually it is that people are poor at messaging, but I think most people, not just in our industry are poor at communicating, not because they don't, they're, they're not, they're not trying or they, they just, I think so many of us misunderstand communication in that we get frustrated when we're not being understood and we get frustrated when we don't understand others and it's real, it's real easy when, when someone doesn't like, so if I say something and someone doesn't get it, it's really easy me to be like, well, you're just not paying attention. What I've worked really hard to, to understand is that the reason they're not understanding it is because I am not delivering that information in a way that is pal- palatable to them. And in that is, is communicative for them. And so my role as an educator and as a coach is to figure out how to communicate in a way that people can understand. So what I think happens within, you know, the messaging around behavior change is that people in fitness are good at fitness stuff. That's why we got into fitness. I love working out. I like eating chicken and rice like that. Those are things I and so I'm naturally pretty good at it. So, of course, I don't need quote unquote motivation, right? I just get up and do it because it's part of who I am. It's part of what I value. It's part of how I make my living. These things are all important to me. Now, what people don't seem to realize is that that you don't need quote unquote motivation. You are motivated very internally to do these things because of the value you place in them. So the big messaging problem really comes down to this thing of like people being like, why isn't everyone else just like me? And it's like, well, that dude trades you know 10 billion dollars worth of stocks like why aren't you more like him well because that's not what i'm into okay so now that that's out of the way we can say like all right so how can we start to realize that we have to message things in a way that people understand which i think you do such a good job at especially with the twitter post is you take something that we understand As fitness professionals, it could be written one way. And instead of doing it like that, just breaking it down into its more simplistic form so that people who don't do what we do read it and say, oh, that makes sense to me. Whereas if you post about like, you know, how much internal rotation you should have at the hip when doing a front foot elevated split squat, it's awesome for the three people that understand what that means. But does it really help, you know, some so who's trying to get into just going to the gym twice a week?
0: Yeah. It reminds me, we are off air, we were talking about how Pat Davidson was in town this weekend, right? And Pat's brilliant, knows his movement, and, you know, he's, he knows his audience in front of him, the trainers. and He's talking about the nutation of the sacrum when it comes to, like, hip hinging versus squatting and a lot of IR, a lot of ER type stuff, right? And it's like, sometimes I, I like that language kind of almost, like, eversion of your your, your ankle, your foot, and I'm like, whoa, I, like, even I have to like pause to kind of like really grab some of that like biomechanical technical language there. So how, how the fuck is the end user who just doesn't want to be in pain anymore, Who is like, man, like I, I came to you because I noticed like I'm out of breath going up the stairs. That person doesn't care about that stuff. That person just wants to feel better. It's certainly why I kind of, I get a bit annoyed and I, and I always stay out of this stuff. Where you get these battles, these ideological t- battles and tribes over training ideology, you know, methodologies, and, and it's the same thing, kind of, with nutrition ideology and methodology. It's like, man, you're you're arguing to be right against other fitness professionals, or you're posting shit to impress other fitness professionals. Neither of which actually reaches or helps the end user who wants to lose twenty pounds, right? And then you get the people who are like, oh, you're not supposed to like, talk about dieting and fat loss. And blah, blah, blah. it's like, you're not fucking helping either. <laughs> so right. h- how do you get the coach, our coaches to just simply get better and focused at helping that end user?
1: I mean, I think mostly it's experience, right? Because like, we talk about this at Compound all the time. So uh, one of the other businesses I'm involved in is Compound Performance, is mainly a training business. And Dean and I have gone on to, to uh, create a nutrition wing there. And uh, we do a lot of education, but the funny thing is, is like starting off, like, I don't know about you. Like I came in, in into the fitness world, not from the fitness world. It was like powerlifting strongman. So like my workouts were like, you go up and work up to a one, two or three rep max, take 80% of that and do two sets with that as many reps as you can do. And it's all like heavy, like just blood coming out of your face. And I was like, okay, that's how you train. And then I got into the fitness side and it got into all this nuance. I'm like, oh, you know, I'm going to make sure that like I have every angle of like each quadricep muscle is hit by this. And then we are all back to this thing of like, yeah, you probably just need to try more, like just go in and work out hard and you'll probably see better results. And I think that's just kind of the thing is like at the end of the day, it's like 90% of this is like really effort-based. Um, 90% of it is like consistency. Ninety and that's, we can focus on optimal. And I, I, I listened to, like, I was listening to Eugene Teo on, um, on Shallow, Jordan Shallow's podcast this morning. And they were talking a lot about this. Like, this idea of optimal has really hurt the industry because everyone's focused on how can I best, you know, try to hilt my iliac lat when it's like, dude, just do some pull downs. So, like, it's probably not that important. Like, you're not an IFBB pro. Like, Speaking of who was that dude in that picture with you? Who's What's this now? Someone asked if you were the biggest guy there at that seminar and you posted a picture with a, with uh, gotta be a, a pro bodybuilder. That's Dennis Wolf. Oh, that was Dennis Wolf. Yes. He was at the seminar. No, no, no. That's an older photo. Oh God. Yeah. Cause I was going to say so, that. I was like, it,
0: I was kind of illustrating the point because, you know, so anybody listening, uh, if you go to my Facebook, I posted up about Pat Davidson and there's a photo of me and Pat now. I'm six foot two and 260 pounds. Right. Yeah. So I, I tend to, I don't know if there's ever been a fitness conference I've got to where I wasn't the, like the largest looking human. Like I, I bet at stuff. Greg Knuckles was heavier than me at the time, or uh, Jason Helmuth really? was taller or a fucking Stan Efferding was that one for sure. Like Stan is an enormous human being, although I'm yeah. like, I still am taller than he is. Yeah. So anyway, and I tower over Pat. Cool. So Shane McClain posts this up and is like, man, like you make everybody look small or whatever. So I post this photo and it's me and Dennis Wolf. Now, Dennis at the time, like full size IFBB pro and just angles are angles. But yeah, yeah. I, I stand toe to toe with Dennis. Now, no, I don't look like fucking Dennis. It's just a good no, thing, but it illustrates the point.
1: Yeah. But, but I so, so like, and that's kind of like what I was uh, thinking about, like with like pro bodybuilders, right? Like these guys, it matters when that 10th, but like, for you, even like I mean, you're a a monstrous human being. Like you didn't get there worried about like the angle of your bicep curl. Like, but that's what guys who are like 140, 150 pounds are worried about. And it's like, dude, like is are the like is understanding where optimal is cool. I think so because then we can say like. You know, first of all, there's no real optimal, but like we can at least be like, okay, this is what I'm aiming towards. But understanding, like, if you if you've got three days a week to work out and an hour each of those days, like, which is pushing it for a lot of my clients and probably for yours, are you really gonna waste time on those things? Or are you gonna go in and do? You know, again, we go back to the stuff that we were talking about when we got started in this industry. It was like. I don't know, I'm going to do some kind of, some type of squat movement, some type of hinge movement, some type of push, some type of pull and, you know, and then if I got time for arms, like, yeah, I'm definitely doing arms because, you know, everyone wants jacked arms. But like, other than that, like, is it really super important for the general population? Because all we're doing is adding more layers of obstacles for people to get through.
0: I I know a lot of what you're going at here. It's this, um this push towards like a lot of biomechanics stuff. And I've, I have found in my experience, there's, you know, there's three basic like groups that are teaching biomechanics. You got muscle jock. Jordan shallow I was hanging out with him here. In November of last year. Jordan is amazing. Great, great communicator no, really so, dude. knows who he's talking to uh, coach Kassam N one, and you got the boys at compound Kyle and Matt, who you guys have a relationship with.
1: And we're not really biomechanics driven at all though. But they, they'll touch on it. But this is where I'm at. Yeah.
0: They, like if you, if anybody follows Kyle, Kyle gets the nuance. Kyle understands completely what matters to people. The problem comes from the next layer. The people who've kind of grabbed onto it, branded around biomechanics, are kind of taking it to the extremes, absolutes, and then they start like one of the ones that I've seen a bunch of times is how, and I like single arm cable rows. In fact, I fucking think they're amazing. I never used to. Yeah. I'm hundred percent with that one. I built a really big back off of barbell rows and dumbbell rows and two handed seated cable rows. And this whole idea that, Oh, it doesn't hit your lap because you're in in internal rotation. No, you just like sit down, do a fucking seated cable row, two hands. You will feel your back muscles. That shit works. And, Arguing over this pedantic stuff isn't helping anyone. And coaches, like, go learn your biomechanics. Go do a course like Prescript. Seriously, like, you're going to learn a lot from it. Go to its source. I'm a little cautious about taking it from the people who have gone to the source and then have layered in their own interpretations and then get very pedantic about different interpretations and start inventing new exercises. It's like, and I always want to be careful with this argument because it's almost like I both use it, but don't agree with it. It's like a lot of the stuff that Arnold and Dorian Yates and Ronnie and the classic bodybuilder guys were all doing, it's the classic movements, all of Arnold's era stuff. And most of Ronnie's era guys were doing big, heavy compound stuff. They were, you, know, you get someone who's like, Oh, squats aren't good for muscle building. Really? Where did you get that idea? Jesus Christ. I mean maybe they're not the absolute most optimal thing from a you know a, a sh- sh- like a fatigue to muscle stimulus mm-hmm. ratio okay cool there's an argument there but guess what most people will grow a lot of muscle and get a lot stronger and they'll really enjoy it if they just actually squat really well and they do
1: more and more of it over time you know you, you progressively well, I hold- think I think there's definitely like a, like a, 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 a specificity in like limb length. though. like, so for me, like I squat and I'll get super strong. Um, my legs never grew my butt, my butt, like doubled, tripled in size, which is so funny because people like talk about all these glute period. Like my butt gets like, I can't, if I barbell or whatever squat, like my low back blows up and my butt, like my glutes, especially if I get like up around like 500 pound mark, like my glutes will just be like on fire, my quads, nothing put me in a hack squat or a pendulum squat. Like my legs are crushed. My butt gets nothing. Um, So there's like some of that, but like, yeah, for the most part, like for someone who's just trying to add 10 pounds of muscle and get stronger, like, I don't know, man, safety squat bar or like those hat fields or like the single leg hat fields, like those are kind of pretty awesome exercises for most people. But I, you know, I was squatting, you know, 500 pounds and not and had, ch- I still have chicken legs, but like, I like my legs just didn't get big. And then I look at like, like Paul O'Neill, he was an 800 pound squatter. His legs aren't that big. Now he's moved to like bodybuilding. But the thing too, is like, I think too, is when we take the, like, when we look at what bodybuilders do, everything works for hypertrophy. And that's one of the things that people don't like. And
0: this is the other extension of it, which was where you went is Arnold of the boys, I mean, top Platt's tons of squats. Sure. But these guys were like, that. These guys were doing leg extensions. They were doing donkey calf raises with two other bodybuilders oh, hopped those, up man. on their backs. And yes, there were some things like, you know, you see video of Arnold doing these rounded back, like he's using the seated cable row, like a rowing machine, right? Like, yeah, yeah, no, not a big fan of that. I would like to keep those a bit more strict than what, you know, the image, Again, it's an image of Ernie doing it. Who knows? Like if he did all the time like that, but by and large, what do these guys do? They train with a, a lot of volume, and it's not this like straw man bullshit, uh, false dichotomy whether it's volume or intensity. They trained a lot of volume at a high intensity, right? Like that's that's a completely, uh, uh, what is it, facetious argument that I find some people in the industry get into. That oh, volume doesn't matter. It's it's training intensity. It's like Kate, like that's like the whole like if it if it fits your macros thing. Where the people who denounce if it fits your macros think that. The proponents of it are literally trying to cram as much pop tarts and ice cream into the model as possible and eat nothing but junk. No one does that. Like no one is trying to actually hit their macros by eating the most amount of shit possible. Okay. So it's a, it's a straw man argument. I, I love this stuff. This stuff's really fun.
1: Uh- <laughs> well, yeah. And, but I, I think, it, I think it is super important because it really comes back to the crux of what we were talking about is like the basics never hurt anybody. <laughs> right like we can go really far with basics and how many people that go beyond basics actually ever really nailed the basics down like you know if you're really good it's like when i look at powerlifters who transition over to bodybuilding there's still a learning curve like they have to change their mindset of how but most of them are big like i when i used to work out in powerlifting gyms nobody was doing volume but everyone was huge but they were doing volume because like, yeah, they might be squatting sets of three and five, but then they're going to go do three sets of leg press afterwards or a bunch of leg curls or whatever their accessory work is. And they're just like, you know, they're just you're pushing a lot of weight. You're getting close to failure. Um, yep. Which, is, it's,
0: which it's, is probably the most important thing of all is accumulating yeah. enough sets, enough hard sets that are near failure. right? And that's what the research supports. Um, you know, and you can sprinkle in a little bit of failure, but if you're going to failure all the time, you're probably going to accumulate more fatigue than sure. you are a training effect. Now, that being said, someone who builds up a stamina and really brutalizes himself to failure all the time, who's eating well and sleeping well, is probably going to still be a really big, strong human being. Yeah. <laughs> so it, a lot of people do a lot of things that are technically slightly suboptimal, but they tend to do an accumulation of enough things so well that they're going to make progress. And you layer in genetics, and of course, obviously, if we're talking about pro-body, yeah. get the drugs and what have you. But those are just, again, a piece of the puzzle. So and yeah. I really do find that a lot of the messaging in our industry gets caught up in wanting to be right, uh, wanting to be right to the wrong people, trying to impress or beat the wrong people. And at the end of the day, like if somebody comes in who you know, it doesn't like the way I've messaged something and they're like arguing some technical pedantic point. One of my favorites things is, is, I like, I funny enough, I don't actually use the word tone in any of my messaging. I don't, but I defend its use when we use it because it's like, it, it, I, I see this post and I see it from people I like and respect. They're like, tone is not a thing. Blah, blah, blah. And it's like, Okay. First of all, you're speaking to the wrong people. You're speaking into an echo chamber of the, the coaches who are like, ah, you're right. Oh, like pat, 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 hey, pat yourself on the back. You did a really good job. Meanwhile, the person, again, it's like that person who's in fucking pain. That person is like, Hey, I, I just don't want to get too bulky. They, they don't know how any of this shit works. They're, they're the woman who's worried about putting on too much muscle. She comes in like, Hey, you know, I, I don't want to get too muscular. I just want to tone up a little bit you know, I want to lose a little bit of weight. And you turn around and you go, well, actually, tone is not a thing. That's the epitome of the worst attitude and worst messaging in our industry. And anytime I come around to it, there's always a few people who crawl in and like argue and fight and, and say stupid shit. I'm like, you're not my audience. You're really not. At the end of the day, I actually care about more people feeling better. And I'm not interested in, like, I'm not interested in what p- policing what people say. Yeah, in a way, like, kind of calling out the people who argue about tone may seem like it it is but it's still for net benefit to the end user and i find it's a perfect microcosm the same thing if you dare say lean muscle we've been using that fucking phrase for forever and we damn well know what it means and someone who wants there's no such thing as lean muscle like oh is there fat muscle it's like
1: people i i didn't even see that People are actually upset about using the term lean muscle.
0: Absolutely, right? And they lump it into the same category as tone because, like, they're being really pedantic, and it's like they need to be right more than they actually need to be effective in like changing the world and helping people. And I don't care about being technically right. I care about at the end of the day, the people who are directly in front of me, the people who are any absorbing any of my media, where it's reading articles, whether it's listening to this podcast, whether it's like on my social media. Uh, in the audience, uh, somewhere I'm speaking, I want those people to make more of a positive impact on the end clients, the users, and, um, and anybody that is an end consumer who's picking up my stuff, if it makes their life a little
1: bit better, and it helps them. Great. Right? Yeah. Well, and I think there's, you know, there's kind of like, there's pieces to that puzzle too, right? Like, So yeah, using tone, everyone knows what it means. Everyone, like it's not a mystery. Now there's some things that like, I get a little bit miffed about with with fitness professionals in that you're saying is like, there's the thing, especially about like motivation about, um, because there, if you're gonna talk on a subject, it is your duty and your responsibility to actually understand the topic you're speaking on. So people will come in and they'll start talking about motivation or about, and they've like literally, and I usually go in, I'm like, hey, I'll tell you what a really easy way and i usually dm people like the weird thing is is, is it went from causing fights publicly like because what i always try to explain to people i'm like people that know me or whatever like i'll go in and i'll say like hey like maybe you know this is a better way to say things and people get upset and i'm like if you look at my like my friends and i we we have you know quote unquote it's not arguments it's discussions but we're professionals we're trying to get better we're trying to continue these things so i'll often just say like hey just look at self-determination theory you can literally go to the wikipedia page and it'll kind of explain what money and they're like well that's not what it means to me And i'm like so here's the problem no one gives a shit what it means to you there is like 70 years of behavioral research that people have dedicated their lives to to have these terms and you just making up whatever you want because it's what you feel like you can say, like it's really disrespectful to the psychologist, psychiatrist, and doctors who've put all this time in.
0: It's like this your truth. This is my truth, No, That's yeah. both. there's there is the truth. And there is your opinion, <laughs> your yeah. perspective, right? Your your belief system, your ideology. But it ain't truth, right?
1: Yeah and and I think and people get like really and I understand part of it is too we talk about communication like I have to really it's why I do most of my communicating with clients over zoom calls and because I am really bad at like writing in a way that's like that worries about people's feelings or how they perceive it. I just write very direct, but that's how I talk. And so I just say like I make, I say, oh, this this this. And people feel it's like I'm, I'm attacking them. I'm like, no, 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 I, I actually I really appreciate you. That's why I mean, if I didn't if I didn't appreciate you or respect you, I wouldn't take the time to even write anything like I wouldn't give a shit. Like I'd be like, I don't care. But like and so people get like upset and I'm like and it's, you know, I'm not like I'm not one of these people that thinks like everyone's overly, I mean, I think people are probably overly sensitive, but it seems that now you can't even have the one-to-one conversation with people without them getting. And so now I'm at the point where I'm just like, I'm just going to do my thing and just let everyone do whatever they want. There's,
0: there's also an element of self-selecting, you know, people self-selecting to you and as a style of coach. And I know you to be an empathetic kind, you know, caring human being. Right. I think I mean, I, I, I'm not dissimilar. I've really mellowed over the years and I've been very careful about this stuff, but I've also deliberately looked for ways to get better at this stuff. And there's a few books that I like and I recommend to everybody. I, I've waved them around in my media a lot. The Coaching Habit by a guy named Michael Bungie Stainer.
1: Really- Yeah, you were, we were talking really, about that last year.
0: Yeah, really accessible, really good book that will help everybody kind of, And he writes a second book called The Advice Trap. And it basically is just, instead of going straight into advice mode, first of all, understand that most people actually do know most of what they need to do. It's just the mm-hmm. application of that knowledge, right? Someone who's overweight 99 times out of a hundred knows that, okay, I am overweight. I don't feel good. I know that there, there's long-term health risks here. I trained this cardiologist. He's one of the funniest humans I know every once in a while he gets someone who could get who's like 400 pounds and like, no one ever told me I was fat. Like, I thought this was healthy. Right. Like, and he actually does get that from time to time but he's just astonished. But but I also think nowadays people are scared shit. Like in their profession, they're scared shitless to like say anything to to people that are coming in. Right. But by and large, most people actually know. So a lot of these books that I find are really good motivational interviewing is another one. It gets a little bit like ridiculous with the degree to which you're like, asking for permission to like tell people shit, right? You build that trusting relationship and people actually, they want answers from you. But this stuff is all about turning off that instinct to dive right into, oh, here's the advice. Here's a solution. Here's what to do. And instead, just ask a shit ton of questions. And 90% of the time, if you ask a lot of questions, the right questions, the right way, coaching habit kills it at this, People will tell you and arrive where they know they need to. And if they're the ones who are proposing the solutions, then usually they're way, way better at acting on it. And you know what this shit all does? It
1: bypasses the question of motivation. It completely bypasses it. Right. Yeah. So that's one of the things I actually do with intake of all my clients is we go through, we we do a strength assessment, but then we also do a value sheet. So I come up with kind of what their main value is. We set a, a certain amount of goals. You know and you talk about fat loss right like how people are afraid like i'm not telling anyone to lose weight but if they want to lose weight i'm also not telling them there's anything wrong with that and i think that's the problem is like you either have to be pro fat loss or anti. it's like no i'm like just for helping people do what it is that they want to do so we come up with goal values goals and then action steps and basically what that does is it creates a plan Um, and it helps them, like you said, they've arrived at their own solution. They've arrived at their own because, you know, it comes back to that, like whole thing and like motivational interviewing and psychology in general is that people are all the experts on themselves. Like I've known this person for 15, 20 minutes from our initial call, right? Like they've been dealing with themselves for 40 and I work with most people in like their forties, fifties, sixties, like that's, um, like, I'm really going to tell them about like how they should live. Their lives. And that's the best thing too. Is like, you know, we always make fun of like the 25 year old in his mom's basement telling people how to live their lives. And I'm like, so like, I'm going to give time management strategies to this dude who, you know, is CEO of a company in New York and, you know, makes $12 million a year, like, no, we'll figure out some ways to make things, you know, work better and easier for him because, but like this dude has amassed a fortune by being better than. And everybody at these things in the world, like, I'm not going to, what am I going to teach him? I'm going to tell him how to be better with his money or his, you know, Oh, so, you know, food is just like a bank account. I'm like, well, this dude's got an unlimited bank account. So that's a bad one.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And again, it's, it's the person who doesn't have kids telling, you know, the, the parents of a kid that's like under two years of age, who's not getting up sleep. Oh, you need to like prioritize sleep. Guess what? That's out the window. Don't even like go there with those people. Right. Um, there, there's a lot to this but I, I hope everybody listening kind of picks up on some of what we're talking about here and again i actually can't recommend the book the coaching habit enough i think it's uh the best treatment of this it's really quick it's a very really, very simple direct formula and it's one of the best books i've ever read on this particular topic so go check it out
1: yeah and that's always good to have like a formula that's kind of action i think one of the things that coaches like um, if you're, you know, I think most of your audiences, like coaches are people that are at least fitness enthusiasts. So I think one of the biggest things that, that, you know, we as an industry can do to get better is just like giving. So obviously, cause we both, both you and I work with you know, young coaches and developing coaches and, and, and one of the things that I think is beneficial for them is, is doing the same thing we do clients, right. Asking those questions, helping them to arrive at answers to themselves, but also like giving some actionable steps some kind of like you know it doesn't have to be like this how you have to do it but like hey here's some things you can do when you leave this you know for speaking at a conference like here's some things you can do today that can help your coaching like real simple something to get you and then they can start to incorporate some of the bigger concepts but sometimes you just need that little like and I hate to say this, but like hack or tip or trick, you know, whatever it is that one thing they can do to apply, um, just to get the confidence to start working. Because big concepts take a. I mean, I the built the, the the current coaching model I'm in that I kind of have been developing. I mean, it took me a year and a half of like creating a model to just come about how I do things, and it's changed a ton in the last two or three years. So it's like really changed a lot, but. That initial time I was working on it behind the scenes, like how can I build a better model, and it took me a it took a lot.
0: And I th- I think anybody who's been doing this as long, there's an evolution in yeah. process, in both like the way we go about things, but also systemizing something. And this is not something I talk about very often. And it came up a lot with Pat Davidson because you know he's teaching these courses and he's built these sort of systems and frameworks. Pat's really funny when he describes just how like a non-functional human being he is. So he has to have all these like values and pillars and frameworks that like keep him from going completely off the rails. Uh, So, but anyway, if you are, you know, anywhere in your career, if you start thinking about the methodologies that you're using for your clientele, then if you are able to systemize them, and like write down and create frameworks of how you operate. And then not necessarily so rigid that you never deviate from them, but guidelines of, of the process, you can ultimately turn that into something bigger that allows you to scale maybe a larger online coaching clientele or hire other coaches under you. Some of the examples of this stuff, like Renaissance periodization and everything they built with, their, with their, their templates and their, their books and, and their entire business and coaches under them, that's really how it started. John Russin, the PPSC team, it's just some of Russin's ideas that just got scaled out into being able to teach it in this, you know, structured course formula, right? So Pat Davidson, same sort of thing. So if, if you aspire to grow on that level, it, actually frameworking this stuff is actually gonna matter, but let's actually move over to the writing side of stuff because what you don't wave around anywhere near as much as I do, because I, I really, really make a point of, you know, highlighting the stuff that I write, but you've written for Muscle Fitness Magazine. You've written for the PTDC. You've written for Men's Health, Business Insider. That's the stuff on your website uh, and more, <laughs> right? So what, This is these are big name things. What is writing and then getting published done for your career? Is it a big part of, of you or is it something, like, how did it help?
1: How valuable was it to you? I mean, it's probably gotten me maybe like one client. And I remember the client that was like, I read Muscle and Fitness and I you know, saw it, uh, but but what it did is, is it, because I also, in addition to writing for the magazines, I was also doing something called fitness teching. So um, Brian Cron used to do all the fitness teching for Muscle and Fitness and Men's Fitness, but basically what it is, you go to the, the photo shoot. And like the model has to do a bench press. You make sure it actually looks like a bench press, right? Like, or cause like these dudes are jacked, but like you'd be surprised some of them can't move for shit. It's crazy. It's wild. Like some of these guys that are in all these magazines, like trying to get them to do a front squat would be like, I would clean the bar, put it on their shoulders and they still couldn't get to like 90 degrees. It was like, a, it'd be a nightmare. I, I'd call the editor and be like, we can't do a front squat. Like this guy can't, do, or we need a new model. Like this isn't gonna work. But like, so we, so he was doing that. And, and then I took over for him. Um, like he was, he was, I guess they were like visa stuff and he was leaving the States and I was around and knew people and and that kind of parlayed also into writing. Um, but it was really, it, I really think the value of it came in networking first of all, because like, Hey, I wrote these things, but also like the people that really helped me get started. And like, honestly, the people that were, um, always really cool about like just helping me, like if I had questions or, um. Were the people that were already established in these magazines, and that was Jason Ferrugia, Jim Smith, Smitty Diesel Crew, um, uh, Ben Bruno, um, probably Sean Heitson. I I, Sean Heit. Well, Sean was like. I mean, Sean is one hundred percent the reason I'm doing what I'm doing. Like, he was the editor, but we were training partners, and like, I was a hairdresser. I was like a celebrity hairdresser, so I was. I had no interest, but I got into training and at one point he's like, why do you train people? He's like, you now know more about training than like most of the trainers out there. I'm like, I don't know. It's, it's just a passion. I read about it all constantly. And, um, but he, it was like having a master class in this stuff because this dude knew everything about physical culture. Like, um, and it was one of my closest friends and now he's the content director on it. Like he's helped build their content up over the past few years. And like, I mean, just a great editor, um, uh, really taught me a lot about writing. But his connections to all these people was really what got me into the industry. And, you know, as we've talked about, um, those connections and this networking has been instrumental in my career. The seminars, like meeting these people. I went to Lucas Seminar, not because I even really wanted to go to Lucas Seminar, but just because I had never met Ferrugia. And Jay is who introduced me to Sean Heisen. And, like, the whole everything that I got into this industry, like, I, I, it comes back to me getting the renegade diet which was his like intermittent fasting like you know this is when we were still putting coconut oil in our coffee and stuff it was his it was in one of zach Evanesh's like workout programs that i got and i got this thing and i really liked it and so i checked out jay's program and then just started messaging him got to know him and and, like literally he started my career and the fact that i could go back to talk to him and be like i just wrote well i'm one of i think two people to ever write a workout for Arnold in, you know, a magazine in, in muscle and fitness. And like, it was for the term the last Terminator movie. And like, I wrote Arnold's workout and it was like, and I was like, my, I'm in the same app issue as you. And you were the guy that got me started. Like it was just really cool. And it was like proud moment. And like for him, like really cool to see. Um, and yeah, it was just like one of those things of like, <clears throat> I don't understand how people can say a negative thing about these seminars or networking or whatever. It's like, it's, I don't know how many clients I get from it, but I tell you, it's been invaluable for me as a person and a practitioner.
0: Well, there's something embedded within what you just said. It's if coaches look at everything that they do, every piece of containing education, every event as what is the measurable direct ROI <laughs> on particular behavior? It's like, that's very short-sighted. Like everything you just described, like all of my writing stuff, um, it's it opened doors that are unimaginable. I, I think one of the biggest things, it creates credibility and authority within the industry.
1: Yeah,
0: I do not have any of the speaking engagements, and there's been a lot of those recently and coming up, uh, without the foundation of credibility by writing for the publications that I write for. It has people interact with me differently like people who are very well-known established in the industry because, oh, okay, this guy writes for this, this, and this, and this. Okay, cool. Like, you know, it just like, it's sort of this, and I hate thinking in terms of status. I really don't like thinking in terms of, but people treat you as if you have a greater status. If you have these things, uh, you know, under your belt. Okay, cool. Well, how do you use that? Does that necessarily get more clients in front of you directly? No. I mean, I, one of my, one of my earlier and still ongoing Online clients found me through T Nation stuff, and he's been an amazing client. Like, there's people who found me through there. Great, awesome. I find, if anything, social media has like because my social media has grown so immeasurably that gives me tons of online coaching inquiries. What was the backbone of the social media growth? Well, the the credibility of having you know, hey, Generation Iron and T Nation and Muscle and Fitness Magazine in my bio, right? That people are like, okay, this guy is like, this is a cool thing that I saw in my friends story shared by this dude they click on your profile like oh oh this guy writes for this okay cool right they're more likely to stick around so it's all big picture stuff plus it's fucking personally fulfilling i enjoy it right and at a certain point you know what keeps us in the industry is helping the end user but also what are the personal things that you actually value and feel fulfilled by i really enjoy traveling to fitness conferences and meeting people like kindred spirits people on the same path there's nothing better and I also really enjoy getting up on the stage and actually like talking about something that I'm passionate about. I love that stuff. Do those speaking engagements, again, translate into more clients directly? Well, not necessarily, but big picture. If if someone looks at you and they're deciding between you or the, the trainer, average trainer they don't know anything about on the wall of the local commercial gym, and guess what, I was that trainer for a long time. They're going to pick the person who has written for major publications that they recognize, even if they're a general, general population person, they're going to be like, this person speaks at international fitness conferences. He probably knows what he's talking about. And he's probably a pretty good coach. I think I'm going to hire that person. So I really do think in the long view, it really does help grow your career. And year over year over year, you know, I keep doing better and better with that stuff. And I don't think that these, the things like the podcast and the writing and the speaking
1: whatever, are unrelated I, I think there's a relationship there for sure right? it's funny you talk about status i was at one of these conferences years ago and i it was a round table writing and i was like knuckles because like, you know I, I love his his writing because he's able to like do these huge you know thirty five hundred word blog posts or whatever um but i was talking about something and i was like i don't know like you know Something about writing, and 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 then you know all the unsolicited uh, advice from everyone that wasn't like on the panel. You know all the people. Well, you do this, do this, do this. Well, you know someday you you know you'll get some. And I was like, oh no no no, I'm published in like Muscle and Fitness. Management. I've written like you know 35 articles for Men's Fitness, like all the workouts I've done, cover stories, everything. And they were like, well wait, so how wait, how do you do? And all of a sudden, uh, the people who are giving me the advice turned to like, and I was like, yeah, I just don't sit here. Like I wasn't sitting. here I was actually asking to try to learn from people whose writing, I admire you guys are here, like trying to like show what, you know, and that's why there. and I think that's where the big difference in, in for a lot of people is, is cause like be interested in the people that are around you that can help you grow rather than, you know, I, and I think that's, that's one of the, 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 like, um, the things that people miss is they go to these conferences and they want to let everyone know who they are. Um, when, if we go and we just like learn about who all these other people are, like, I mean, I don't like I would, both of us, like most of our friend group in fitness is because of these things. Absolutely. Entirely. So, or, you know, the
0: podcast and connectivity with people that it's like a friend of a friend who you met at a fitness conference. Right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And like, yeah, because like, let's say you want to have someone on the, like, you know, let's say you want to get stan efforting on the podcast well he just happened to show up at kansas city that year and you met him and like you now have that like entryway yeah. there which like oh, yeah i'm sure he would come on anyways but like it would probably be a lot harder to get in contact with him but you'd be like hey man remember me we met yeah. um
0: exactly right you know i have that contact point and eventually i'm gonna to have to have him on there was something i was trying to shit remember uh ah. Owl, slipped my mind, but uh, I definitely wanted to pivot this back into the event that we're both speaking at. So we're both yeah. at the Inland Empire Fitness Conference. Um, I it, it actually goes to what we were just talking about. I met, and I like telling the story, when I went to the Kansas City Fitness Summit 2017, I met what feels like the industry. I met you. I met a lot of other people. Um, and I met just two of the other attendees who, you know, it got to this day, no social media following, but Tim Ernst and my buddy, Jeff Aker. So anyway, like the guys, awesome. And then I found out that well, Tim hosts his own event in Spokane. So I went to it in 2018 and 2019. My buddy, Jeff Aker, he's actually in Calgary and he's actually the provincial director of the NSCA for Alberta. So he does an annual clinic. So I went to that in 2018 and 2019. 2021, Tim's having some trouble getting speakers for you know during all the travel stuff and he's still gonna put off his event oh, so he asked right. me to come and present and I'm like hey man just go back and ask Lee Boyce again he's like no nah, man like I want you to do it I'm like okay cool and I always said all right the moment when someone asks I'll say yes and I'm gonna fucking figure it out <laughs> so anyway it was actually great I had a great time met Luke Carlson who runs his own event in Minneapolis spoke at that he invited me to speak at that back in oh well, shit when was I down there feels like it was may yeah it was in may so that was cool but and now you and i are both back again this year to speak at inline and jeff acre i'd recommended some other people i thought were really good for 2020 they did it virtually and come this year we get talking and hey i, I just got to present at an nsa provincial clinic uh, and that was super cool just because these these are some people i met because i sat down and like made an effort to meet and get to know people instead of going ooh Brett Contreras, ooh, Mark Fisher, ooh, Pete Dupuy, but at the same time, Spencer Dadolski also fucking got to meet and hang out with those people. And you know, there's a whole bunch of like big industry names there. Cool. Made them feel like they're real people. Like, don't ignore them. But at the same time, don't just fawn over them. Go actually meet everybody else that's there. You never know. Like Greg Knuckles and Andy Morgan were just attendees at that event. They weren't even the speakers, right? And those two guys are really well established and successful.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean. That's the thing is, like, I think people like, like, there's a lot of, like, I mean, one of the guys who, you know, doesn't really speak, doesn't do a lot of these things, but, like, one of the most fascinating guys that, that comes to Inland every year just as an attendee is Eric Salazar. I mean, the dude is, like, probably one of the most impressive natural bodybuilders I've ever seen in my life, drinks beer. <laughs> <laughs> like he's getting, like he's drinking and at this thing, and I'm like, dude, you got a show in like six weeks? He's like, yeah, he's like, it's fine, I do this, and I'm like, my mind is just blown. Like I'm just like, this is, and he won, he won that show and won. I think that one might have been won. He might have already won his pro card. Maybe this is first I think pro. That was,
0: yeah, I'm not sure, but that exactly. was
1: wild. It, and like something like that, or like, um, I'm really excited because last year Chad Landers couldn't come, so I finally am going to get to meet him, which I'm really looking forward to.
0: He's great. Actually, it's funny that you haven't met Chad because I met. Chad at 2018 Inland Empire hung out with him 2019 Inland Empire also my buddy so this is how connect these worlds are my buddy Jeff Aker loves Chad because Chad's also a former NSCA provincial uh personal trainer of the year award winner
1: yeah he won that yeah Chad
0: also spoke at the 2018 uh NSCA that was in Calgary that year it was really funny because Brian Cron was in that lineup and I'll say this out here because this is hysterical James Fell was at it and just Brian like, wants nothing to do with James and his energy. So it's really funny being on this small patio at a barbecue with the two of them right there. But anyway, that's all I'll say about that. James, yeah. I, I I get a kick out of sitting down having a beer with James, but he's not, he's not everybody's energy. So he's a different story. But anyway, yeah, I, for sure. That. But yeah, that's, and uh, glad, meanwhile, Chad is an awesome human being, right? I've been, yeah, I, it's been too many years.
1: Well, and I was so, cause yeah, I was like, it's just like, but and it's like, that's the thing. It's like, and, and there's a lot of people that come to these as attendees. There's a lot of people, Um, uh, I don't know, it's just, it's, it's a lot of fun. And Inland in particular, like last year was my first year there. I spoke um, and it's just very different. Like, you know, there's none of this, like, hey, pay extra and you get to hang out with the speakers, like. That's weird as shit to me. Like, like, we're just like, you know, we're all peers. Like, yeah, we've got some, you know, we've worked to try and because it's something we enjoy is speaking, but like, it's really important at inland that everybody, like, you know, we're sitting down, we're eating lunch together. Like we're all hanging out. We're doing the thing. Like everyone's talking together. Um, I mean, I like last year, like, cause I, I had never met Brad before, uh, Brad Deater in, in, um, so you know, I kind of interacted online. I was like, yeah, I don't, you know, I don't really know about this guy. Whatever, he seems fine, but whatever. And then we get to meet in person, and he's like my favorite human being. Like the guy is fucking awesome. He's he's a sweetheart. He's there's not an ounce of ego to him. Meanwhile, he's really
0: smart, really successful, <laughs> really smart. <laughs> there are a lot of these type of people in the industry where they haven't really outwardly branded themselves profoundly successful on their terms mm-hmm. and they've done they've done the, the stuff like brad has written for a whole bunch of stuff you know he's written for t nation and a lot of other things but at the end of the day the guy's just the ceo I, I get or maybe he's i, I can't remember the exact exact role with macro zinc but to him i think i don't know if they're co-ceos him and jay White. but either way they basically both own the company and, and run it together and they, actually that company's killing it they're doing a really good job
1: they've yeah they have got yeah
0: a a really I've great-
1: sent a bunch of like my mentees there, been like, you know, looking for jobs and be like, hey man, I think this is a great opportunity. Let me hook you up with them. Um it's a, seems like a really great work culture. Again, after spending time with Brad, it, like it's just like and, and that's it. Like in like I mean I've been friends with Krieger for a long time and, and, and that's been but like you point out, like Kansas City, like Spencer Nadalski has been a friend of mine for a long time. And 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 you know, we have a like we you know, I mean like to the point where he was going off on his own and he like we he called me and was like okay hey you know you set up your own business how did you do things and i'm like spencer you got half a million followers on instagram you're gonna be okay i don't <laughs> think you need to, i don't think you need my help but here's i'll tell you like what i but you know it's like like things like that and it just i don't know i i think it helps to cure that like worry that like people always talk about oh the industry sucks or this i'm like it's not true my best friends are all, like half of my friends are people i've either never met or have met like twice
0: the industry is phenomenal. It's just you, you, you. What you look for and what you believe is what you will see. And if you look at all of the terrible, malevolent, awful people and bad marketing in our industry, and you fixate on it, you'll find it. I focus on all the really great people that I like and enjoy. Like I will never run out of great podcast guests because there's all these awesome people. I look at someone like our friend Guido. Hey, you, you and Guido have really bonded. But I. I met Guido when I moved over to Evolve Strength when I left the old commercial gym. And he was there doing something with Anthony Harder. And Anthony was one of the coaches at Evolve, right? So I anyway, got to know Guido, add him on social media, and just start chatting back and forth. And he's really on this keto kick at the time. He's more of an experimental thing, not like a, not like a, hey, because he'll do an- anything. Yeah. He's not a keto <laughs> zealot. He's literally just like, hey, I'm curious about this. I want to learn. So we ended up chit-chatting or whatever. And at the time I was like fucking around with like some short YouTube videos. And I mean, they didn't really take off quickly. But Guido, for whatever reason, just like decided he liked this stuff and he wanted to start a podcast. And then he messaged me out of all the people he knew, he's like, Hey man, uh, you know, I was thinking about starting a podcast. You wanna you wanna do it? I'm like, Okay, cool, let's do this. I always thought that was kind of a cool idea. Anyway, so that took off, and Jesus, I mean, r- right quickly we had Sohi Lee, we had uh, Mike Izertel, friends from meeting people at these events met. So he in 2017 and it was Carter good also. And so like a few bigger name guests of bigger audiences, and that kind of blew things up and it just kind of took off from there. And now it's been like the who's who of the industry. And then 2018, I brought Dean to Kansas city and that's where he good. met you and he met Mike Dola and he met, uh, you know, Josh Citron and who the fuck there's all Mike T Nelson, a whole bunch of people. And that led him down the rabbit hole to get in with ben house and pat davidson right yeah and then that comes full circle because i knew who pat was through dean and now i get to hang out with pat this weekend like just, this stuff is literally this interconnected and then yeah. you dean dean starts working for uh, stronger you and then just things mushroom and mushroom you guys are doing all kinds of stuff and now you have the compound uh, yeah. uh nutrition thing right and it all has come from going to these kind of events uh Talk to Luca. Like Luca has a legacy of going to tons of these He speaks at a lot of them, but he's met a lot of his good friends in the industry. And you know, he's got a business mentorship with Steve Krebs. And he'll always talk about how those two met at some event. And it just goes on and on. And when I was talking to Pat this weekend, I'm like, listen, you need to like get to know Luca. Cause they knew who each other were. Pat was supposed to do a seminar at Vigor. But I, I literally sent Pat's number to Luca. I'm like, here, you know, Luca is someone who's like hyper-connected with everybody. This is literally something yeah. and Luca happens to be in New York right now. So I don't know if they'll actually link up, but I I like that too. Like just connecting people up with each other. And a lot of this stuff
1: doesn't necessarily. I think that's an important part. Yeah. I think a lot of people miss that is like, everyone thinks about networking as how can I meet this person? But I look at it as how can I help? Like, I know that this person has this, like, I think that's one of the benefits. And so you're, you know, I, I always say like, you do such like at the seminars, people are going to be like, Andrew's this like big, like, you know, scary Viking looking motherfucker. And I'm like, Andrew is going to be the guy that's going to make sure every, even if he has no role there, everyone's having a good time. Everyone's like, you're always like, Hey, do you have a ride? Hey, who you? And like, people don't realize that like, that means so much more to people than what you're talking about, or if you're speaking or if like. And so what I try to do in that vein is like, and I've done this my whole life with, if I know someone has a need and I know someone else that like has, and like, I can put those two people together, whether something happens or not, like those people both benefit. I don't really benefit out of it, but what is it happens? Like, oh yeah. Remember like you hooked me up with whoever. And it's not for any, I'm not trying to get anything out of it, but I just like want to see people, you know, be able to like help each other. And it's, it's that same thing. Um, You know people you know what's that that line that you know you always hear is like nobody cares how much you know until you know how much they care whatever but like when people treat you really nicely at a thing like that that's what they care that's what i care about like if someone's really nice to me and they're really cool i'm like fuck, this guy's awesome i'll do anything to help them out you remember this
0: and like you go to one of these events and if you're you know sort of established there are people that i've interacted with at these events who they show up they'll interact with like a couple of their like friends amongst the speakers and they're very much otherwise not interested in immersing themselves in the people who are there i was at uh, raise the bar in florida my buddies nick lamb and derek mendoza I love these guys they did a killer event and they're going to do an end of february and they're going to move it to dallas this year because that's where derek lives and i'm excited I'm, you know I, i'm going to be there but i actually did exactly what you just described earlier like i was meeting everybody hanging out all this sort of stuff And some of the attendees just immersed themselves in the whole thing and were really present. And some of them dipped in did their presentation and dipped out. And the only interactions were literally with the people that they kind of already knew. And guess who's getting invited back, right? Yeah, for sure. And guess who made a really big impression upon the people in that audience? And there are people in that audience who are going to be the future speakers and the writers and company owners and industry leaders. And, do not lose sight of the fact that just because you've established a little bit in the industry does not make you important and there's no reason to have an ego about it. Yeah. And honestly, like just try to, yeah, you can't like literally reach everybody. Right. I literally couldn't shake everybody's hand to that thing and like memorize every name. But if you get the opportunity just, you know, try to make people feel important or certainly don't, don't make someone feel invisible and unimportant.
1: Well, you've taught, you've had Saladino on that man. First of all, he is the in person, he is the single most charismatic, best looking human being. Like, it angers you to like how, like, this guy is just like, I mean, if he wanted to be like king of the world, he could do it. Like, this guy walk, but I get, but you walk into a room and you are going to feel like you're the most important person. And this guy works with, you know, people that are worth billions of dollars, movie stars, everyone. But if Ryan Reynolds was there, you would feel like you were the most important person in that room. I mean, it's 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 a gift and it explains why part of why he's so successful. Um I've never seen anyone do anything like but it's also 100% genuine. Genuine. And there are a handful of other
0: people I've encountered. Like, there's a lot of really nice people in this industry. But Luca is also very good at what you just described. Mm-hmm. Luca does make people feel important, right? And Luca will be running his event, 200 people there. He's juggling everything. He's all over the place. He's definitely hopped up on caffeine. And he still makes people feel important to him. Jordan Shallow is phenomenal at this. King. The King. King. He remembers names. And, you know, like, you got a presenter and, like, they... They ask a question someone answers it. And then the presenter kind of shoots it down or like, no, nope, that's wrong. Or like, we're just in some subtle way. You just, you're pretty quickly trading people. Well, I'm not going to stick myself out there and, and answer this right. wrong. Like Shallow is the best at the opposite. He will absolutely never make anybody feel like it was a stupid answer the wrong answer. He's just gifted at this shit. So he's a real joy to be around. And there are a whole bunch of other people who just do this really well. And th- this goes a long way. It's again, it's like how you make people feel these things and you could literally be a complete unknown in the industry. But if you go in and you meet the other people, you treat, treat the presenters like human beings. It's like hanging out with Pat this weekend, right? Like we, we got a lot in common in terms of background and, and like other sort of stuff. Interesting guy, but just make the effort with these people, because all the, like, I remember, I always tell a story about Pete Dupuy when I met him in 2017, right? Like, Pete, I could tell at the same event you were at, he was the only guy who wasn't the trainer. He's the business guy. And like I caught him a couple of times, just sitting in the back kind of by himself. He he's, doesn't seek the limelight, but I went over to him and I said, Hey man, like I actually really, I was excited to meet you and, and see your presentation. I've heard you on podcasts and Pete to this day is a friend, right? You know, he's come on the podcast a bunch of times, really awesome human being. He's,
1: he's a sweetheart. like, yeah. because I, I, well, I used to, so like, you know, Mark, you mentioned Mark Fisher, like Mark, Mark is like one of my favorite people and his business partner is just, just is an amazing person. But like, so I would, cause I was in New York, like every time they had, like he was one of my favorite business things. And I, I spent like, I got to a point where I said, I'm not allowed to go to any more fitness uh, uh, <laughs> seminars because I don't coach fitness anymore. So I have to only do nutrition or business, but I spent a year where I, a year and a half probably where I only did marketing and business courses. And a lot of them were marks and Pete. Pete runs what arguably could be one of the most successful gyms in the entire world. And he's attending this, you know, whatever this, I forget which one. It was. It might have been the time management, time didn't join. But like, we're like sitting there and just talking and he's just like such a sweet guy. But he's like, you know, I just come down for these things. Like, it's a refresher. It helps me. And, and he's like, and I'm talking to trainers. I'm talking to people that are out there that are outside of my business because it's so easy to get pigeonholed. And, and I think that's, and and you, you know, again, shallow, there's a reason that Jordan shallow and Saladino are so close, right? Like it makes sense, but you see, you know, there are, you know, success does leave clues. And when you continue to see people who are hyper successful in this industry, that Jim Smith, Smitty to this day, I mean, he's, he's partners with DeFranco in their certification, right? They, They, I see, I've seen Smitty at like probably three different. Uh, seminars We met for the first time. I've known him for years. He's he's one of the early people that helped me out, like just like writing and everything. I met him at a seminar totally randomly because we were both there, and I was like, "Wait, I'm I'm like Jeb." I was like, "What are you doing here?" And it was just like we met and hung out. And there's there is a you know I think that it it definitely shows people that continue to try to grow are the ones that continue to stay relevant.
0: Absolutely. So there's a lot. Honestly, this has been one of my One of my favorite conversations in quite a while, Jeb, I knew you'd be great to bring you on. Um, Let's remind everybody where to find you online, your website, your social media.
1: So my, my uh, website is foodonthemind.com. That. Title was brought to me by our good friend Carolyn McDonald. She came up with it. Um, and my uh, my uh, Instagram is Jeb Stewart Johnston. Um, very simple. All my links. If you know people are looking for coaching or anything like that, you can find all that on there. Um, but yeah, I don't. I mean, I have a Facebook still, but I don't really use it. You
0: know, I don't use Facebook that much either. Much. Uh, again, thanks everybody for tuning in. Go go follow Jeb. Jim. Jeb's someone I really believe in. Uh, very good friend. Really quickly, my, my family listens to these. They, they literally sit around in the morning and they listen to these podcasts. And my mom texts me as a reminder that it's my dad's birthday. So happy birthday, dad, if you're listening. And uh, for everybody That's else awesome. to continue to, to listen to this, thank you. I really appreciate you guys. Um, another quick plug too, um, I'm, I'm not sure if anybody who's listening would probably, this may not be for you, the line I like stealing from Luca, but we do get some coaches who've actually done this. So Bailey Lau and I have a a 13 week women's online strength training program. We're doing our third run of it. It starts Monday, July 4th. And we've had a couple of younger uh, female coaches because it's only available to women who wanted to do it because a, it gives them the programming structure so that way they're not worried about having to like do it for themselves, but two, they've enjoyed learning from how we put it together and how we built it. So they wanted to experience it as well. So Maybe it's not for you, but maybe someone in your world would really benefit from this sort of thing. And uh, anyway, so it's all over my social media. If you have any questions about it, just shoot me a message. And um, hang around for a new episode next week. Thank you so much, Jeb.
1: All right, buddy. I'll see you in like uh, five or six weeks.
0: Five or six weeks.